This won't end well for Illinois. Here's a three. It ended well. McCourt for the win. In the air. It is up. And it is good. Fourth and 16. Pressure comes. And Matt Orbebe with the ball in the air. Makes the catch. Welcome into Oski Talk. I'm Drew Pastoric. Going to be reviewing that thrilling Illinois victory over Iowa. Yes! I love saying that. Sounds great. Sounds better every single time. (laughs) It wasn't easy. Certainly wasn't easy, but it is an Illini win over the Hawkeyes Saturday night. A lot to talk about, a lot to get into with that game. Uh, But also, we're going to hear from Brad Underwood, Illinois Basketball Media Day. And they had a a presser for the media on Friday. Had a lot of good things to say about his outlook for the team, specifically as it pertains to the new additions. He had a lot to say about Terrence Shannon, Matthew Meyer, uh, etc. So we'll hear his comments Coming up here in just a little bit. And, of course, ending the episode as we do every single week with our Illini of the Week. want to start with uh, taking you through some of the things you'll see on our website, thechampagneroom.com. Said lots of football-centric stories, of course, in the wake of the Illini victory on Saturday. I want to start with, with Kyle. He does a lot of our recap articles on Sundays, you know, the post-mortems, so to speak. And has a great one. The first, you know, the the first thing you see is that headline. Make no mistake, Brent Bielema's Illini have arrived, and bottom dwelling is a thing of the past in Champaign. I couldn't really say much better than that. It was a gutsy win. It was a hard-fought win. Again, that's kind of what I expected. Uh, a lot of our Friends and colleagues at the Champagne Room are predicting maybe a blowout for the uh, Fighting Illini on Saturday. I've just seen that game. I've seen Iowa play too much to really think that was a possibility. I did think Illinois was going to win, but it was a grit your teeth, tear your hair out kind of victory. (laughs) That's what Iowa does. They are a very frustrating team to play. Illinois found a way to get it done. And Kyle has a really good article about it. And he gives credit, which I didn't even think of this, but absolutely, you got to give credit to the Fighting Illini offensive line. Zero sacks allowed against a really good Iowa front. Zero sacks allowed. You paved the way for Chase Brown to continue his record-setting season. Another 100-yard effort for Chase Brown. you got to credit the O-line for that. And also, Tommy DeVito, starting quarterback, getting injured fairly early in the game. Brett Bielema and co. relying on Art Sitkowski to take us the rest of the way. And you know he's not the most mobile guy. DeVito certainly has shown more mobility, more movement outside of the pocket more improvisational skills when plays break down. 
you know, Art Sitkowski not as mobile, but offensive line did a great job of protecting him and allowing him to try to make some plays and get things done. So uh, really, really tremendous stuff about battling adversity as well and enjoying this. It's an ugly win, but you got to win those uh, those ways sometimes. Overcoming obstacles. We've talked about trust. We've talked about overcoming adversity. We've talked about all those things throughout the season. You know, the first four games were pretty fun. Were pretty entertaining. This one felt like a bit different. Like this was the toughest test of the season and Illinois passed it. So great stuff from Kyle. Highly recommend you read that piece at the champagneroom.com. You can also take a look at uh, some of Brad Ruppledger's photos. We have our staff photographer. got some really great shots from the game on Saturday night. Just awesome, awesome stuff. You know, it captures kind of the emotion. It had been a long time since Illinois had beaten Iowa in general. Uh, certainly nothing in the memory of these existing players, these current Illini players. So really, really cool stuff there. And you can check out those images from Saturday Night in Champaign. Uh, Brant Dolce, another, uh, another one of our writers who does the, the Sunday recaps, had him on the podcast before. He, again, put together a really nice article as well. And he frames it pretty well also that the Illini defense will control the destiny of the Big Ten West. Now, I don't like that phrase, control the destiny, if it's a destiny, you can't really control it. But if the defense keeps playing as well as they have been, you're going to beat almost anybody. Even on nights like Saturday where the offense is scuffling and, and really having a hard time getting things done. Um, but Brant points out in this article, expectations have been raised. Execution has been improved. Fighting Illini are winning games before they lose them. You know, they're finding ways to win these difficult games. And uh, Brant also brings up the fact that the last time Iowa came to Champaign, they beat Illinois so badly that Josh Whitman was compelled to fire Lovey Smith. Didn't wait until the end of the season. It's like, we got to just end this now we got to put this to bed so again really recommend you check out that if you're browsing it's going to be one of the first things you see on the champagneroom.com and we had breaking football news on sunday as well the illini in the top 25 for the first time since 2011 now that wound up being kind of a dubious ranking because Illinois started that season 6-0, proceeded to lose their final six games. They won the Craft Fight Hunger Bowl against UCLA, but that was the end of the Ron Zook era. And that was kind of the last bit of the era of good feelings with Illinois football. They had you know, a couple of bowl appearances in the wake of Ron Zook's departure, but it's been uncomfortable to watch Illinois football for a long, long time. And we're, we're finally shaking off the cobwebs of that. And it's fun. It's exciting. 
Illinois five and a one now. Two and one in the Big Ten. Two and zero in the Big Ten West, though. More importantly, you know that loss to Indiana might come back to bite them in the rear end at the end of the year, but it's all about that divisional record first and foremost. And right now, two and zero, an impressive win, a dominant win against Wisconsin. I would say it was still at least defensively a dominant win for Illinois against Iowa. The offense certainly uh, did not do what we hoped it would, but it's a W, and you're one game away, one victory away from going bowling. Here we are, the second week of October, and we're saying all Illinois has to do is win a game. Win a game (laughs) out of these final six and they're going to be playing in the postseason i think that's safe to assume even the most cynical jaded illini fan would say that's that's pretty much a certainty at this point things would have to go terribly terribly wrong even if tommy devito's injured for a lengthy period of time and they've got to lean on art sitkowski it's not ideal, but the way the defense is playing, the way Chase Brown's running the football, they're going to find at least one more win. Probably two or three at the very least when you look at the upcoming schedule. So kudos to the Illini. Members of the AP Top 25 for the first time in 11 years. That's damn, damn cool. These players deserve it. This coaching staff deserves it for the effort they've put in and the players for their buy-in. Super fun to watch. Uh, they've got Minnesota coming up. That's another challenging team. Another team that runs the football a lot and plays very, very stingy defense. So this could be short-lived, depending on what happens with the Gophers next weekend. But still, I said this last week, cherish it. Enjoy the shit out of it, because you don't know how long it's going to last. That asteroid could come hurtling towards Earth at any moment let's just acknowledge what illinois has done enjoy it and find your illini friends or your friends that used to be illini fans and tell them to tune in show them what they're missing all right so i mentioned that uh, there's a lot more football discussion to be had we'll certainly get into that breaking down more of what actually happened in the iowa game but before that, you know, basketball is on the horizon. So normally we're looking forward to basketball for different reasons. <laughs> uh, but the first exhibition game is on the 28th of this month. So, I mean, we're less than three weeks away. And uh, we're about a month away from the actual start of the season. Game one, October, or, uh, excuse me, November 7th versus Eastern Illinois. EIU coming to State Farm Center. That's an 8 p.m. Central Time tip. It is going to be on ESPNU. Not a a streaming platform, not uh, Big Ten Plus or anything like that. It is going to be an ESPNU game, 8 o'clock Central Time, November 7th. So we are just about here, and we're getting to that that crossover part of the year where things get really interesting. Uh, More interesting now that that the football program is doing some, some good work. Uh, but Brett Bielema addressed... Uh, Brett Bielema, Jesus. Brad Underwood, he addressed the media on Friday. It was 
Illinois' Big Ten Basketball Media Day. And uh, we'll hear some comments from him here in just a few. Uh, before I jump into Brad's words, uh, he talks a lot about Terrence Shannon Jr. He was asked a lot of questions about Terrence Shannon Jr., the Texas Tech transfer, Chicago native. Uh, TSJ named to the preseason All-Big Ten team. He's the only player on that list, by the way, that was not in the Big Ten a season ago. So people thinking very highly of Terrence Shannon Jr. and the potential impact he'll have with the Fighting Illini. The rest of the preseason Big Ten team, you've got Chris Murray from Iowa, Malik Hall from Michigan State, Hunter Dickinson from Michigan, Jamison Battle of Minnesota, Jalen Pickett from Penn State, Zach Eady from Purdue, Cliff Omri from Rutgers, and then a couple of Wisconsin guys, Tyler Wall and Chucky Hepburn. And rounding out that list is TJD, Trace Jackson Davis. He was also named the preseason Big Ten Player of the Year. Media really high on the Hoosiers. I don't really see it, but you know TJD, Trace Jackson Davis, certainly uh, worthy of that distinction. He's played well over the past several seasons, helped get IU back to the NCAA tournament last year, and uh, he is tabbed as the Big Ten preseason player of the year. So we'll see what happens there. Take those preseason predictions as you may, but uh, always nice to see an Illini make that list. So kudos to Terrence Shannon Jr. Looking forward to seeing him on the court here in the next couple of weeks. So I teased it just a second ago, but uh, Brad Underwood did address the media on Friday and some really good stuff. I think every coach says positive things about their team before the season begins. I mean... You're not going to say, yeah, I think we're going to be terrible. I I hate this team. I'm not confident. There's always optimism. There's always that excitement when you lead into the season. So I'll, I'll just preface it with that. But Brad Underwood, I just love hearing him. He always seems to have his finger on the pulse of his team. He knows how to maximize the potential that his teams have. You know, we've seen that the last several years. And as I said a little bit ago, he was asked quite a few questions about the new faces because there aren't that many old faces. You know, Trent, DeMonte, Kofi, those guys are out. And now you're bringing in Terrence Shannon Jr., Dane Danger, Matthew Meyer, plus this you know, sterling crop of freshmen Sky Clark, Ty Rogers, Sincere Harris, Jaden Epps. You know, lots of optimism. And here's what Brad Underwood had to say about this group so far through nine or ten practices. It, it's, always a, uh, uh, it's always a fun time of year to coach. Um, I think the one thing that's excited me, uh, really got me excited about this group, is, is, has been the drastic improvements from one day to the next. Uh, and now we're starting to stack days, good days. And, and that's uh, with, with really quite big improvements. Uh, this group has been uh, uh, 
unbelievable in terms of their work ethic, uh, their, their ability, the new guys to grasp uh, what we're doing, and then to back that up with really good questions and a lot of film work. Uh, again, there is uh, a lot of new faces, uh, so there's a lot of things that uh, we're still figuring out, and, and it's, it's trial and error in, in some areas. So um, everybody's been good. Um, I'm, I'm, like I said, I've been really pleased with our freshman group, uh, their effort. Uh, we have not had to teach them how to play hard or demand it. They've, it's, it's, you can tell they're winners. You can tell these guys have been a part of winning and success. These guys just do it. Uh, uh, they show up and, and uh, it's just been basically gaining knowledge and understanding and then uh, putting those things into play against bigger and stronger players and, and, and that's just the natural progression that, that, that it takes. But, uh, uh, you know, I think we've gotten very good leadership from our veterans. Uh, I've, seen, I've loved the way, uh, you know, Terrence Shannon has come in here. He's, he's, you guys can ask him about it. He's on a 30,000 shot make month. So he gets up at 445 every morning and makes a thousand shots before we work out. Uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, now I told him that you can't sustain that throughout the course of the season when we play games. So uh, we would like you to get some sleep, but um, uh, very dedicated. He's been tremendous. Um, I, th I think his leadership, been very pleased with Coleman. Uh, obviously a, a, thir a third year guy now uh, and his role in helping the young guys. And then it's been nice to see RJ and Luke really start to feel more comfortable as veterans of our team because they know what's going on and, and, and uh, uh, they've, all had, they've all had great moments. So, uh, like I said, I feel I'm in, a, I'm in a pretty comfortable place. I like the way we're playing. I, there's a lot of questions that uh, we'll need to see a different colored jersey uh, in a scrimmage in an exhibition game uh, to see how those guys react. But, uh, but I like this group at this point. Brad Underwood was also asked about the presence of the the transfers, the new guys coming in, you know, the the Terrence Shannons, the Matthew Myers, you know, guys that have done a lot of winning in the past, what that's meant to the team and how he thinks it will benefit the fighting Illini as we head into the season. Let's take a listen. Uh, I think one of the things that excites me the most is you know, these guys all come from very, very, very successful programs. And um, they're all very knowledgeable. I think our style fits all three of them. And our system, it fits. It's a great fit. And we thought that when, when, we, were, when we were out looking at those guys. And, uh, you know, Terrence Shannon, elite athlete. Elite, maybe as good as we've had. Uh, you know, at 220 pounds and, and uh, speed, you know, he's got that wide receiver type speed and and it's fun to see him in the open court uh you know matthew's a guy that again versatility can can score in the post can play out on the perimeter uh can go and they can all guard those spots so it's a great fit uh dane's versatility playing out on the floor his ball handling all those things fit so um there's some things we we can unlock and their roles might change you know coming to 
a new program, and I think that's that's what what all those guys have found is is some maybe some different roles. Um, but but they've all been successful, and they've all been really well coached. Once again, that is Illini basketball coach, men's basketball coach Brad Underwood, talking at Illinois Basketball Media Day this past Friday. He was asked a couple of interesting questions. Uh, one of them that I, I wanted to note was because of the the topsy turvy nature of basketball with the the transfer portal and this you know free agency type of world we're living in now do you think that we'll see another team such as the most recent one where you have guys like Demonte Williams, Trent Frazier, you know fifth year guys that, that played a lot of basketball together uh, even guys like Jacob Grandison, Kofi Coburn, guys that were together for a long period of time. Really wanted to draw attention to what Brad Underwood said here as well. You know, I mean, in a perfect world, I'd love to, you know, I, I love what it was 20 years ago when you'd go recruit two guys in the fall and you were done. And you knew what your team was going to be. And you had that, that, that class balance, you know, and you had, you know, three seniors and four juniors and, you know, four sophomores and you had a group of freshmen that you were excited about and and uh, uh, I get it that's not that's that's not going to happen anymore uh, what I do hope is that retention uh, and an understanding of we're at a world-class top 15 public institution uh, for education and that means something and that retention becomes a big part of what they're doing because we have great fans, because we have a tremendous practice facility, because we have the best strength coach in the country, because our assistant coaches are the best, because we play in the best league in the country. And if you can find a greener pasture than that, good luck. And, and so I do hope that that piece of retention uh, happens with us. No coincidence, we won a Big Ten championship last year because we've got, you know, fifth-year guys, and, and, and Kofi was a, a veteran, and uh, you know, Jake had been in the program, and so it's just a, um, you know, it's, it's fun to see that that happen. And we're going to continue to work very, very hard and sell all of those things I just mentioned. I'm just so pumped for the season. I'm so excited. And I've said this before, I'm a basketball freak. So even with football doing what football is doing, I'm still really looking forward, really uh, eager to see what Brad Underwood's guys get out there and do. And I know they're going to be good. Like, I'm confident, I'm comfortable saying that, but we don't know really what this team looks like. We don't know who's going to be you know, the lead dog. I mean, Terrence, Jan uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. certainly appears to be one of those guys. But... There's so many possibilities, so many combinations with the lineup, the versatility they have. That was the goal from the get-go. And Brad Underwood always wanted to have that kind of positionless style, that positionless lineup. We, It's fair to say we could see a lot from Terrence Shannon Jr., Matthew Meyer, Dane Danger, maybe. He's the X Factor to me. Because Coleman Hawkins is there. His potential sky high. We've seen flashes. We haven't seen the whole puzzle come together yet. But then RJ Melendez, future star, Luke Goody, not a not a star player, 
by definition, but certainly an important player for this team moving ahead. And then what are you going to see from Sky Clark, Ty Rogers, Jaden Epps? Like, I'm really curious to see what this team does. And again, I think they're going to be really good. They'll obviously be better as time goes on. You know, they're going to mesh. They're going to learn how to play with each other. Probably by January, February, we're going to see really what this team is all about. So I'm, I'm amped up. I'm ready for it. Brad and his staff have done a tremendous job this offseason, bringing in new talent, getting them ready to go. So very excited and eager to see them in about a month, less than a month, November 7th. First game versus Eastern Illinois. So now let's get back into the football stuff. Obviously, we are excited. How many times can I say that word? That's the word of the day today. Uh, but if you watch the, the Iowa game, that was a mix of emotions. That was a cocktail of anxiety, of stress, of happiness and joy, of cynicism of gloom of sheer jubilation (laughs) bottom line is illinois gets the win nine six over the iowa hawkeyes at about forty-five thousand or so that was the announced attendance there was a lot of ticket discourse a lot of discussion about tickets and Should they be a certain price? Should they not be a certain price? Should students be able to get in for free? Should students pay more? Should we just in general be at the point where we're wanting to pay certain premiums for games? And all of that ultimately doesn't matter because if you win, people are going to show up. So you can piss and moan about the cost of this, the cost of that, the cost of this, the cost of that. Win games, take care of your business. And business will be good at Memorial Stadium. Simple as that. I don't see Alabama selling $15 tickets. (laughs) Unless you're in section 600 triple Z, probably forking over a hefty amount of cash to watch those elite teams in college football. So that's all I want to say about that. That was definitely... Not the topic of discussion after Saturday. A lot of people talked about that during the week because they had nothing else to talk about, but plenty to talk about following the game. Um, But I want to start with something I saw before the game, and I had no clue until I was just doing some prep for the podcast. Illinois all-time was 38-37-2 against Iowa. That was entering Saturday night. So I'm having flashbacks as a Bears fan to like the Bears-Packers thing where, oh, the Packers can beat the Bears to overtake them as the winningest franchise in NFL history. And then they lost the week before, so they could not set that record at the Bears' expense. (laughs) So uh, Iowa did not tie the all-time series record against the Fighting Illini. And now it'll be 39 37 and 2. So I have to wait at least two more years before Iowa can can claim that. Illinois had the number one scoring defense in the nation 
It was 8.4 points per game. Hard to believe they played the way that they did <laughs> and still lowered that average to now 8 points per game. Still the top scoring defense in FBS. Iowa was 5 out of 17 on third downs on Saturday night. 29.4%. That's actually better than the average third down conversion percentage for Illini opponents this year. That totals now up to 24 for 91 on third down. 26.4% on third down. And I mentioned this with Todd Bromelkamp last week. I mentioned this uh, with Brant Dolce and Will Charlton, I believe, a couple weeks ago. Third down defense has been critical for Illinois. That one game they lost, the Indiana game, Hoosiers were 10 out of 19. So they were better than 50% at converting those third downs, staying on the field, giving their offense a chance to make plays. Iowa's offense did make some plays on Saturday night. Sam Laporta, the top playmaker for Iowa, finished with, I think, nine catches, but got 100 yards receiving. Their best offensive player is a tight end. Spencer Petras looked like Spencer Petras, looked very shaky. Uh, Todd Bromelkamp alluded to this last week on the show that he felt Spencer Petras was a very smart quarterback, but he tends to overthink. He gets too cerebral, and you saw that a lot. You know, Iowa was trying to do some things that made no sense. And some of that's play calling too, but you've got to execute the plays that are called. Illinois certainly had uh, more than a few of those head scratchers on Saturday. Well, there was at one point Iowa had first and goal on the five. I think it was after the Isaiah Williams fumble. I think so. I don't remember the exact spot in the game, but Hawkeyes had a first and goal at the five and wound up with a fourth and goal at the 23. (laughs) Like they master in going backwards. It's amazing. So, I mean, Illinois made a lot of mistakes. Illinois tried to give that game to Iowa so many freaking times. Sitkowski throwing a pick on the one yard line. Illinois is going in for a touchdown. There's like 10 minutes to go in the game. That game's over. Illinois scores a touchdown. They're only going to go up six, possibly seven. But Iowa was doing nothing. And Sikowski throws that pick on the one-yard line, takes away a scoring chance, the best scoring chance Illinois really had all night. Um, And then Sitkowski, we thought... Fumbled the ball late in the game. Iowa picked up the fumble, picked up the loose ball, ran it in for a touchdown. You thought, oh my God, that's Iowa's thing. That's what they fucking do all the time. That is their offense. Uh, Turns out, Art Sikowski's elbow, forearm, whatever, his phalanges... (laughs) (laughs) They were on the turf. They hit the ground just before that ball jarred loose. So Illinois retained possession. So that was an opportunity that Iowa had to score. They got taken off the board. Um, They thought they had another fumble recovery. Uh, There was a, a screen pass to Isaiah Williams. 
and Isaiah caught it. Might have taken the two steps, but there was no real football move. Don't know if he had full control. The referees ruled that he did not. As he caught the ball and just got drilled right away. Made that catch, lost the football. Iowa recovered it. And again, you're like, this is what Iowa does. This is what's so maddening, so stupefying about this Iowa team is that they always find themselves in that situation. It didn't work. Now, Illinois was very fortunate to win that game. Let's just be real about it. Excited that they won? I was trotting around like a peacock. I was strutting my stuff on Saturday night. I was surrounded by Iowa Hawkeye fans. Black and gold everywhere. I'm in my orange and blue fighting Illini sweatshirt. People are saying, what are you doing? Why are you wearing that? Take that shit off. And I'm like, no, sir. <laughs> I'm sweating this out till the end. Uh, but yeah, I was obviously thrilled, but watching that game and I'm like, holy shit, this is, this was the nightmare that I envisioned. Like some people are saying, oh, it's going to be like 38 to 10, 34 to 7. And I'm like, ah, no, 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 no. <laughs> this these games against Iowa, the Iowa games in general, they've been burned in my brain. They've been branded into me. I'm like, this is what they do. I was a little frustrated with the coaching staff because it seemed like they were playing Iowa's game. And I don't know why you would play into the hands of an offense that's not good. Like, Iowa's offense is grotesquely bad. They're hideous. Iowa's offense is so ugly, kids dress as Iowa's offense for Halloween. So even though you were trying to play a a relatively conservative game plan, and some of that might have been because DeVito got hurt and you had Sitkowski in there, you were trying to do some low-risk stuff with him, that, that probably had something to do with it. But it just seemed bizarre. Like, why aren't we trying to make plays down the field why are we not trying to give chase brown the ball i know we wound up with 146 yards in the game but it felt like he wasn't even a factor until the last 10 minutes like halfway through the fourth quarter he had like 15 carries i'm like what are we doing like give that man the ball He's been your stud, your number one guy all season. Like, why are you doing all this cute shit right now? Like, and Sitkowski did have some good moments. Like, there was one point he was 10 of 15 for 16 yards. And then he hit, uh, was it Hightower? I think Hightower had like a 30-yard gain. And then that same drive a couple of plays later, Jonah Morris had a really acrobatic catch over a defender. And then that's the drive where the interception happened at the one. So it's like, they're going in to score. This is, this is it. Art is going to rally us to win. And then he throws that pick and you're like, ah, no, what are you doing? Art? What are you doing? Barry? Why are you calling a pass play? It's like shades of the super bowl. 
with the Seahawks and the Patriots. It's like, hand the ball off to Marshawn freaking Lynch. Give credit to Schulte. Schulte anticipated that pass. He was all over it. He made a hell of a play. But it shouldn't have been necessary. <laughs> there shouldn't have been a play to make. Um, good grief. Uh, so certainly some scary moments, no doubt. Certainly some, some moments of trepidation. But overall, it's a win. It's a game you have to win. You have to win ugly. I love winning 31 nothing and 38 to 6 and 34 to 10. Love it. Want to see more of that. But not every game is going to be like that. You have to win these slobber knockers. You got to win these games where both teams are just beating the holy hell out of each other. That was a physical hard hitting it. And that was a throwback game, not just because of the point total. But, I mean, people were just waylaying each other. Both teams were hitting hard. It was tremendous. If you're a fan of that old-school smash-mouth style of football, this was your game. And, again, I mentioned the defense before. Iowa had 52 rushing yards on 30 carries. 52 rushing yards on 30 carries. It's like 1.7 Yards a clip, something like that. Phenomenal stuff. And pass game, uh, pass rush was tremendous. Love seeing Odaluga get a sack. That was really cool. He's been a guy mostly on special teams. So him getting some snaps on defense and getting a sack of Spencer Petrus, that was pretty nice to see. Seth Coleman had a really nice game, two sacks, and then... He put the pressure on Petrus. He got a little bit of contact with Petrus, which forced that errant throw that Matthew Bailey picked off to ice the game. Yeah, What can you say that hasn't already been said? The defense is amazing. I'm an offensive guy. I just said I'd love to see you know, 31-0, 34-10 every week. But this defense, man, that's going to win you a lot of games. It's going to keep you in a lot of games, and it's going to help you win a lot of games, especially a game like Saturday when your offense wasn't doing its job, wasn't putting up points. Just another tremendous performance by the defense. Can't say enough good things about them. Uh, To that end, some great stuff on Twitter. Uh, If you don't follow Illini Stats and Notes, you should, because they, they give you tons of valuable information during and after these games. Uh, Illinois, the only team in the nation to not allow a touchdown at home. So you go back to all four of these home games so far. Two field goals against Wyoming. One field goal against Virginia. Obviously, the shutout versus Chattanooga. And then two field goals versus Iowa. No touchdowns allowed. And only three touchdowns total 79 drives by the opponent this season Illinois allowed three touchdowns Indiana had two Wisconsin had the other I don't know if you can sustain it it seems like it's impossible to sustain that's that's just like those stats are ridiculous like you can't even do that in a video game but they're doing it They're doing it. They're getting it done. So just this defense is 
ridiculous. It just you can't. Every week you think they can't do better than this. They can't be better than this, and they are. And then you go back to the offense. Tommy DeVito gets hurt late in the first quarter, early second quarter, somewhere around there. And it's that doom and gloom. Like, oh, man. Like, we have this great thing going. Our offense is in rhythm. And now, of course, our quarterback gets hurt. That's that's the jaded, that's the complex that we have. We don't deserve nice things. Anytime something good happens, oh, our quarterback gets injured. Our wide receiver tears an ACL. Our running back gets hurt. You know, something always happens. So Sitkowski comes in off the bench. I mentioned the numbers before. He started 10 of 15 for 16 yards. Got some big chunk plays in the fourth. The catch by Hightower, the catch by Morris. Finished 13 of 19, 74 yards and a pick. Those are not Big Ten champion numbers. Those numbers are why Tommy DeVito is the QB1 in the first place. So, hopefully, touchdown Tommy gets well soon. He gets healthy. He's on the mend. And we don't have to sweat out another game like that. Chase Brown doing his thing again. Just continues to turn out banger after banger after banger. 31 carries, 146. Again, no touchdowns. That's the thing you're really missing from Chase is him getting in the freaking end zone. Just can't give that guy a touchdown. So 31 carries, a buck 46. His total now for the year, 879 yards. The yards per carry went down a little bit. He was around six and a half coming into the week. He's now down to 5.8. Still, still very, very impressive. Nothing to be ashamed of or, or be critical of at all. Uh, 151 carries, 879 yards, and averaging 5.8 yards per tote. Still the number one runner in college football. Still the most yards in total, and also still the most yards after contact. I think it wound up being 515. Just can't bring the guy down. And every game, he snaps off a couple of these runs. Because he was not running the ball well against Wisconsin. Wisconsin was stuffing him pretty well, and then he breaks off that 50-yard touchdown run, had another big run later in the game, did the same thing against Iowa on Saturday. Was not his usual self. He was getting stood up. Iowa was keying in on him. But then, oh, here's a 13-yard gain. Here's a 12-yard gain. Here's a 15. He strung together a couple of big runs late, and... I got to mention, speaking of running backs, I got to mention Reggie Love as well. I don't think Illinois wins that game without Reggie Love. He had a, a run late in the game. I think it was a third down run. He picked up like a 20-yard gain going to the right down the sideline and picked up a first down, extended the drive. I think that was what led to the, the field goal, the last field goal. So Reggie Love got it done as well. And speaking of field goals, Fabrizio Pinson, first start, comes in for Caleb Griffin, bangs in three field goals, responsible for all of the Illinois offense. 
Amazing. That's a tough situation. But first career start, three for three on field goals. And the Illini win because of those three field goals. Magnificent. Not a lot of O in that game on Saturday, but it was enough to get a W. Tonight's game was brought to you by the letter D. Not the letter O, the letter D. We'll take it. We'll take it. And Brett Bielema doing just, like, he's a wizard. He's an exorcist. I'm going to have a story later in the week. I'm working on something for the champagne room. That Brett Bielema is an exorcist. It's spooky season, right? We're getting close to Halloween. Brett Bielema is an exorcist. If you've got evil spirits or demons or apparitions in your house, call Brett Bielema. Who are you going to call? Brett Bielema. He might need a proton pack or two, but seriously, listen to this. So prior to Brett Bielema coming to Champaign, Illinois had a six-game losing streak against Northwestern. They had not won in Madison since 2002. Had not beaten Iowa since 2008. He's checked off all of those within the last 11 months. And the the Northwestern thing, that happened at the end of last season in Champaign. Last week, you go to Madison, beat the Badgers for the first time in 20 years at Camp Randall. And now you you beat Iowa. So Brett Bielema's revenge tour, I think, is complete, (laughs) at least for this year. Winning in Madison against the team he used to coach. Defeating the Hawkeyes, the team he played for. Kirk Ferentz was an assistant at Iowa under Hayden Fry when Brett Bielema played there. So, I mean, they've got a relationship that goes back a long way. It's amazing. Brett Bielema, what a man. He's just got a cauldron. He's casting spells. Double, double, toil and trouble. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, what visitant, what specter, what phantom (laughs) can I eradicate today? So the Illini, 5-1, now ranked for the first time in 11 years. Fun fact, Illinois is ranked. Oklahoma is not. Auburn is not. LSU, Notre Dame, Florida, Miami, also unranked. <laughs> Just like, what the hell is happening? This is so unique and such a bananas bonkers season. Just a sidebar. Just wanted to point that out. Like, that's Kansas and Illinois being ranked, having the seasons they've had. Phenomenal. Great story. But I think the bigger story is these traditional programs that are just circling the toilet bowl right now. Oklahoma is getting blown out by TCU, getting shut out by Texas. Auburn looks lost. Brian Harson's not going to stick around very long down there. Brian Kelly and his family might be uh, not long for Baton Rouge either. You know, Notre Dame had that Interesting, that tight game against Ohio State in the opener and then lost to Marshall. You know, struggled against Cal. 
Florida beat Utah in the opening game of the year, and then they've not looked very impressive. Like, these once proud programs, historically great programs, are twisting in the wind, and programs like Illinois are on the come up, and it's really nice. Let's have somebody else get a piece of cake, a piece of the pie. Let's do it. So, Minnesota coming to town on Saturday. It's homecoming. I don't know why. I don't know who makes these decisions. Like, can we get a Chattanooga game for homecoming? Like, what are we doing? Like, we've had Wisconsin on homecoming. We've had Michigan on homecoming before. Minnesota this year, like... Would it kill you to have, like, an FCS opponent (laughs) on homecoming? Like, who do we got to talk to to straighten that out? Because this is another game that, because of the defense, Illinois could win. But the offense, eh, you know, Minnesota, if Ibrahim's healthy, that's a a battle I want to see. Mo Ibrahim and Chase Brown just trading haymakers. That'd be fun. Um, it's going to lose a little bit of its sheen, a little bit of its luster if if DeVito can't play. You know, Tanner Morgan would certainly be the uh, would have the edge at the quarterback spot, and they've still got Altman Bell, a wide receiver. I mean, they've, they've got some guys. They've got some some pretty good skill players, and their defense coming into Saturday, coming into last week, was number two. So Illinois was one in scoring defense. Iowa was three. Minnesota was two. So it's not getting any easier. It's a home game, so you know Illinois is probably going to be favored. They were a three-point favorite against Iowa. If they're favored against Minnesota, it's going to be somewhere around there. I can't imagine it being more than three or four points. I, I'm not a P.J. Fleck guy. I don't like P.J. Fleck all that much. I think he's just kind of a weirdo. He's kind of a dweeb. So I, I'd love to see Illinois beat Minnesota again. Second year in a row, and that was 10-6 last year. So we might be in store for another barn burner this season. (laughs) It could be another doozy on Saturday. I'm just keeping you prepared. I don't think it's going to be 42-35. to I'm still not sure about that game. I've picked Illinois to win every game thus far except Virginia. So I'm, I'm, I'm probably still leaning... Illinois, I've got the belief, we've seen it, that the defense can pull these things together, but would not shock me if Minnesota won on Saturday. Wouldn't surprise me at all. And then the Big Ten of West just keeps getting more and more crazy. I think it's clear you got three teams at the top. Purdue, Minnesota, Illinois, whatever order you want to put those teams in i think they're the top three it's hard to peer into the crystal ball and see illinois losing more than two or three games like maybe minnesota beats them maybe purdue maybe nebraska and you know probably michigan but the path has been laid illinois trying to walk that path to indianapolis and i will be there if i can be there I'll find a way. That's my birthday weekend. I will find a way to get to Indy and watch the orange and blue in the Big Ten title game. But, long way to go before that. Let's take care of 
the Fighting Flex on Saturday, and then you're going bowling no matter what. One more win. I picked you at six to start the year, so anything after that, we are good to go, my friends. All right, it's time now for the Illini of the week. And I think we have to stick with football. And I did mention his efforts earlier in the episode, but got to give it up for Fabrizio Pinson, the kicker for the Fighting Illini. Uh, Fabrizio Pinson, redshirt freshman, making his first career start, comes in, nails three field goals, and is responsible for every single Illini point in that 9-6 win over the Hawkeyes. You know, the Hawkeyes, you know, their special teams was their forte coming into the game, and Illinois outdid them just a little bit. You know, gotta, gotta give some props to Fabrizio Pinson. Again, that's a tough situation. First start, you got a raucous crowd, a rival coming in, very close game you know those are those moments that you think about as a player or as a kicker you think about you know making that game winning kick or making that fourth quarter kick that clutch kick and Fabrizio Pinson was certainly clutch on a Saturday helping lead the Illini to that 9-6 win over Iowa first win over the Hawkeyes in almost 5100 days so kudos, congrats going out to the Illini and Fabrizio Pinson, redshirt freshman kicker. He's our Illini of the week. That's going to wrap up the show. If you like what you hear, make sure you download each episode at thechampagneroom.com or wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also follow the Champagne Room on the socials, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Be back next week to discuss... The aftermath of the Minnesota game, homecoming at Memorial Stadium, and hopefully it's another Illini victory. Hopefully we can talk about where we want to pack our bags to go bowling. (laughs) Hopefully it's Florida or California, someplace warm to get us out of that December or January chill. I'll have my suitcase on standby. We'll be there to talk about Minnesota next week. Until then, I'm Drew Pastoric, ILL.